In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This was the version of Psalm 23, the Revised Standard Version, that my grandparents in Virginia paid me $10 to memorize when I was young. I remember at their farmhouse on the banks of a branch of the Potomac River, up in a room that was mine when we spent time there in the summers. Up there, I remember squeezing my eyes shut, trying to memorize this song, trying to memorize these six powerfully bracing and also embracing, embracing sentences. 19 short lines, 113 words that comfort in loss and inject bravery when we are scared. It was easier for me to memorize back then, but I know it by heart more now. I've lived more. The moral of this story or this memory, the reason I'm telling you this is not that bribery sometimes works for Christian education, though that may be true sometimes, but the moral is about how important this passage of Scripture has been for us and for people throughout all generations. It was so important to my grandparents that they paid me $10, which was a chunk of change back then. They paid me to learn it, to memorize it. It was important for them, and it has become incredibly important for me now, something that I pray regularly. And it is a, it's a scripture that people of faith, of all persuasions, don't argue that much about, which is rare. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Nobody nitpicks that of course there is want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Nobody says, of course you fear. Evil is scary. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. No one says goodness and mercy sometimes seem far away. 
Because what is expressed is a beautiful hope for we who follow the lead of Christ Jesus. A beautiful hope for we who listen to the voice for the voice of the true good shepherd. We know the longing and the hope and the faith that is voiced in these words. We know how they are words that are not said to to deny realities. They're not said in an attempt to deny realities, but in the hope of changing the realities of want and fear by trusting in the Good Shepherd to show us the way through. Even as we contemplate this psalm that seems to unite so much of our communities, our churches, our people of faith, for us, of course, that's Christianity, our country is divided. Our churches are divided. Bishop Greg Rickle, formerly a parish priest in Austin, Texas, and now bishop of the Diocese of Olympia in Washington State, on May 1st, just a couple of days ago, wrote an urgent and strong message about the different messages coming from Christian communities. And I recommend you look at it, look it up, look up his statement and read it in its entirety. But he writes that, Two distinct and nearly opposite theologies have developed. He calls one the personal freedom theology. And you recognize this by people carrying signs that say, Jesus is my vaccine. Or during interviews saying things like, it is my God-given right to do such and such. This is a private God that only worries about you. No one else truly matters, or only those who can help you in some way matter. Bishop Brickle finds it very difficult to find much in our guide, which is scripture, about this private God theology. He calls the other theology a communion theology. He says that it's based on a totally opposite idea, that the common good, the good of all, is the gospel. I think you can see the basis of Christian community and thought from as early as the Acts of the Apostles, that passage that we read today, where all shared what they had, each according to their need, received what they needed for their life to flourish. They shared. They worried about each other. They took care of each other. It's a basis, a root, the essence of Christian community. Bishop Rickle goes on to say that laying down your life for a friend is communion theology. Blessed are the meek is communion theology. Leaving everything behind and following is communion theology. And I say that being very careful in these days of pandemic, 
is communion theology. Staying home for others' sake as much as you can is communion theology. Knowing that even if you're strong and not of the most vulnerable against or to contract coronavirus 19, even knowing that it might not affect you so much, we think of those who are in the vulnerable category, and that's communion theology. We don't forget, even if our, in our own little worlds or realities, everything is kind of okay, we don't forget those who are still suffering and dying right now with this terrible virus. And we pray with those who grieve their lost ones. That is communion theology. And in one of the strongest sentences in his missive, he writes that Christianity is a faith, the origin of which comes directly from sacrifice, perhaps one of the most, one of the greatest sacrifices ever. But much of our professed and practiced theology is one of entitlement, preference, avoiding sacrifice as much as possible and most especially for anyone else. In our gospel today, the third lesson from the gospel of Jesus Christ according to John, the good shepherd warns against theologies or ideologies or actions that put in risk other people's lives, that sacrifice the lives of others which translates most often into sacrificing the lives of the poor and the vulnerable. He warns against those actions and theologies and ideologies for private gain. The Good Shepherd calls us in a voice only we can hear, and only we can hear it, And we can only hear it if we drown out the temptations and the entitlement of which Bishop Rickle speaks. Perhaps influencing our current current presiding bishop, Michael Curry, who speaks about the way of love all the time and in great depth, Edgardo Antonio Colon Emmerich wrote, that founded by the love of the shepherd for the sheep, the church is held together by the love of the sheep for the shepherd and for each other. It's not just you and God, but us. It's held together by the love of the shepherd for us, and we for the shepherd and each other. Without love, all other marks of the church are like a noisy gong or a clashing cymbal. In short, the way to unity and fidelity is the way of love. So there's another image used in our gospel today, and it's translated the gate 
but it's also um, could be easily translated as the door. The image of Jesus as a door, not a gatekeeper as we think of them today, as someone wanting to keep undesired or unpreferred people out from an exclusive club or gathering, but Jesus as the door, more like one in a home, a a friendly home, that one in the neighborhood that everybody can go to, where all the kids hang out. Jesus is more like a door in a home that you open, that opens to welcome people in. But this image of a door is not as poetic as a shepherd, so we don't talk about it that much. Imagine, the Lord is my gate, I shall not want. Or the Lord is my door, I shall not want. It just doesn't sound as good as shepherd. But it is a powerful image. Jesus is a passageway, the boundary transition point through whom we are able to find abundant life, which is promised. In this context, though, abundant life does not mean lots of toys. It refers to the quality of life that comes through attachment to Jesus, believing, trusting in to Jesus, abiding in Jesus. And that's eternal life. In the Gospel according to John, eternal life refers to that quality of life in relationship with God, which is now profoundly meaningful and fulfilling. Now, because you give your life for others. Your life means more than just yourself. David wrote that the gospel message is that Jesus is the unfound door that we all seek, the doorway to the heart's deepest desire to know and be known by God. And the question before us each day, the question before us each day is, do we want to walk through the door? Do we want to step through the gateway of Jesus into the realm of light, of fullness of life, of abundant life now, of a life in relationship with God? Or do we want to be a huddled mass of scurrying sheep, uneasy and bleeding? So the challenge for us, even as we maintain social distancing, and even in May, as we continue to offer church only online, as we prepare to open to the public in in different ways, later on in this month or in June, depending on how the health of our nation continues to be measured. Even as we long to be back home, here in our spiritual home, we sacrifice that 
longing and that urge for the sake of others. And the question that we can contemplate is what is happening in our lives that makes it clear that we are doing the right thing and hearing the shepherd's voice. I think when things benefit others, even when we sacrifice freedoms, we know that we are being led by the true good shepherd. Amen. Hallelujah.